Mackling and McNabb with you. It is Friday. Happy Friday to you. I know it's not Friday for everyone, including the young lady that uh, hands me my steep tea Wednesday through Friday. Her her Friday is until Sunday, Loren. What do you do on Mondays and Tuesdays? Uh, there's a different person there who's also oh, as equally as I thought maybe you terrific. had a, just a different order on Monday, Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Like your steep tea was a Wednesday to Friday and then your Monday oh, no. Tuesday. Was- steep tea is mandatory every single day, Got even it. Saturday, Sunday. Uh, Loren, good morning to you. Good morning, my friend. How are you? I'm doing okay. You sound a little stuffed up this morning. I am stuffed up this morning, so I stayed home today. I was coughing. I mean, I, I, I was calling it about three days ago that I knew it was coming. You know, you just know it's coming. Your turn is coming. And you feel a little throat tickle and then maybe a few aches and pains. But then you do the recovery. You're like, oh, actually, that was just a blip. And then I talked to you last night and I said, I think this blip is about to become a blop. <laughs> so many of us have been down this road in the last little bit. And, um, you know, uh, hopefully uh, Jackie and Alexander don't mind me saying, but uh, they tested positive for strep throat yesterday. They'd been sick for about 10, 11 days. And, you know, we'd had a doctor, uh, Brendan had gone to see a doctor, and the doctor told him he'd been sick. And the doctor said, yeah, it's cold flu situation for teenagers right now, 10, 14 days, not unusual. Actually, that's pretty normal. So we'd been sort of letting things run the course with Alexander. And Jackie said, I think I got to go and see somebody. And the doctor said yesterday, well, I've swabbed lots of people for strep today. Nobody's had it. So I'm just going to do it just to be safe. Oh, you guys are positive. (laughs) So, you know, sometimes it's just good to know what you're dealing with. So now there's uh, antibiotics involved. And so hopefully they'll be feeling better. But it's difficult to know when to cross that line. You know, because we know how strained not only the hospitals are, and, and right. obviously you don't, you don't want, want to be go bugging to, them. Yeah, you don't want to be going. Even the walk-in clinics are as busy as they've ever been, and so it's difficult to get in to see a walk-in or even your own doctor right now. But at what point do you go? Mm, maybe I need to find out if it's something more than just fill in the blank. Well, it's so hard. I mean, like how many times over the years, and I don't mean COVID years. I just mean years. Do you play doctor, right? Like you like Google a couple symptoms and it comes up with a wide range of things. And you're like, nah, it's nothing. I'm just going to ignore it. But at some point you just have to say, you know what? For the sake of not being someone who's walking around with something that's spreading, I've got to figure out what's going on. And so that's the hard part. And it, it, if you Google cough, runny nose and sore throat, you're going to come up with a whole lot of things. I sure. guarantee it. But sometimes it's nice to know what you're dealing with. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, if you're feeling under the weather yourself today, uh, we're feeling for you. It's uh, par for the course right now. But uh, I guess my my uh, advice from the sideline would be if you feel like you, you might need to see somebody just to make sure you're not dealing with something that could be treated with medication, I would I would say do it. Yes, you got to go. And, and if you have the option, I recognize I'm completely fortunate right now to have made this call to you yesterday and say, just for the sake of, you know, not spreading more, I'm going to stay home. And I get that that's not the case for everybody. But if you're if you're dealing with something and you're wondering what's going on, you probably should just make sure nothing's going on. And that's the best case. But let us know, 780-6868, because this has been like a months-long, months-long 
of it just circulating and it's you know everyone's due i guess is how it goes yeah it feels like everybody's taking its turn uh last night the jets won we'll bring you the sounds of the game uh 5-2 win in st louis last night the jets continue to roll their back in action again tonight against chicago it wasn't until i think four o'clock this morning i realized that we were in a back-to-back game situation loren so you know how i love the friday night games and uh, Saturday night games because that means I can stay up and watch the entire game. I tr- uh, you know I put on the radio uh, to go to sleep for the third period last night, and then I kind of I fell asleep pretty quick, and then I woke up and had to check the score. And sure enough, they'd won. Uh, they looked really good for the two periods that I watched last night. So we'll bring you the sounds of the game. And yesterday afternoon, well, actually, let's go back to yesterday morning, Chief. Of police, uh, Winnipeg Police Service, Danny Smythe was in the studio with us just after eight o'clock. All sorts of questions continuing in the community about what to do uh, with regard to the the remains of 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 those uh, presumed uh, murdered women in our community. And then yesterday afternoon, the mayor who had been with us. Uh, the day before yesterday in the studio and the premier who had been in the studio with us the day before that got together on a joint announcement. Yeah, so they're saying that they've asked Prairie Green Landfill, which is where we believe the remains of two women, Morgan Harris, Mercedes Myron, are. Their operations at Prairie Green Landfill have been paused while the mayor, the premier, indigenous leaders, they, they look at the feasibility of a search. And we know the chief has said through his people who have looked at it that it's not feasible. And he said to us yesterday, they just don't have the expertise. Is there other ways to maybe consider like, you know, the, is, are there archaeologists or others who might have a different kind of expertise beyond police that might be able to look at this? It's possible. But as far as he was concerned, that search is not happening. They need to focus on the investigation and and working on more evidence and all the rest. But I think this makes sense, Greg, because these families, we have to remember, as far as I understand the timeline, the police have been aware of things for a lot longer. That's often how it goes, right? They work, they build their case. They don't want to let people know the worst has happened unless they know the worst has happened or believe the worst is to happen. I understand all that. But they've had months to digest and absorb everything. It was just last week, eight days ago, we learned of a serial killer. And just one week ago, the police chief said he didn't think a landfill search was possible. And then just, you know, four days where he confirmed and said they talked to families and said it's not feasible. And so that's not a lot of time to process that. And so pausing it makes sense to me because you have all those trucks coming and going still, adding more refuse to that landfill near Stony Mountain. So if they eventually decide to go in, then you've wasted days of adding more more layers to that landfill rather than just pausing to consider what's going on. And I think the conclusion might in the end, Greg, still be the same, but the pause makes sense for now. And I think there's a difference between telling a group of people, the the most intimately involved in this situation, that this is what we're going to do or this is what we can't do and sitting down and having some consultation and having a discussion about where we're at where we think we can go, what's we think is possible, what's impossible, laying everything out as opposed to just saying, yeah, this is the decision that we've made. This is a sensitive issue, and this pause, I think, is a, a, a very good thing so that everybody can understand what we're dealing with. This is the part of the program we call having coffee talking. I don't know how often we say that out loud, 
on the air. But this morning, it's having coffee, singing. Greg Mackling, Loren McNabb, Cam Poitras, Jeff Braun, and Tyson Ruwicki, his first time on the start. How are you doing this morning, Tyson? Oh, I'm doing fantastic this morning. You feeling okay behind the board there? Master control treating you okay? Oh, you guys, you guys make it easy on me, so oh, yeah. I'm uh-huh. feeling great. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Tea time is fearless. <laughs> He's a competitor. He's a warrior. You throw him into the fire, he's going to come out with, uh, you know, a, a, a case of matches, ready to fight the next battle. <laughs> well, it's good to have you here, Tyson. Uh, Tyson typically works a little bit later in the day, at least during the week. But you, you do the weekend wake-up show sometimes as well, right, T? Yeah, this morning, too, or this weekend, actually, too. I'll be there bright and early with me and Kevin. should be a fun weekend. All right. Well, it's good to have you here on the start. So, Loren, how did we come around to this uh, decision and this topic this morning? I'm trying to recall i can't remember all i know is that i said some one of these days this week we should talk about the song like we've probably all done karaoke before but if you were to add talent like actual talent to the equation so you're someone who can sing play guitar play piano what have you and you could get up on stage and just destroy it in a fantastic way any song what would it be because there's all songs i know you might be in the car you might be in the shower you might be like air guitaring and thinking oh man i would love to kill this song somewhere if I had any talent at all. If I could play guitar, I would play this song. If I could sing, if I could actually hit that note, I would do this. What is the song is the question. All right. Um, Cam Poitras, let's start with you. Well, I know that we are kind of a little tight on time, so I'll I'll just uh, hit the clip and I'll I'll have to fast forward a bit because i got to hit the good parts. That's Tim Rice from Andrew Lloyd Webber's wow. Jesus Christ Superstar Gethsemane. The uh, big moment, Jesus in the garden and stuff like that. And man, if I could hit those notes, I'd be I'd, I'd be able to die happy. But uh, I don't see it. I don't see it. But man, that'd be awesome to rock and karaoke. Uh, Jeff Braun, I'm I'm very curious as to yeah. what your selection well, I is. I actually mentioned this song earlier this week, and uh, like the one we just heard that Cam played, uh, I would need a step ladder to hit some of these notes. <laughs> Tragic part is I can do the first two verses in my car by myself when no one else is listening. But when it gets to the end there, it's like, nope, not even close. <laughs> That's, that like would when, be good. When I'm in the car, I try to do harmony, too, by myself, like to the radio. And I've got no skills there. And I'm like, you know, I'm just, uh, 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 people are looking at me. I'm like, I can't hit this. What am I trying? Yeah. Okay, well, uh, Loren McNabb, I know you get a hard time about your singing, but I think you have a wonderful singing voice. Uh, I, I, you sure about that? Yeah, I am. I am. I could be tone deaf as She's well. She's so but. like, oh, oh, oh. I just like to sing. The and scales. I sing, I sing anywhere. But if I, like, so you have to imagine the scenario. This is, I had a hard time picking this because it has to be a song that includes the piano. I love playing the piano. I'm not good at it at all anymore. But you'd have to have the piano. You got to have a big stage. You got to have a big crowd. You got to have a choir behind you. Oh boy! You, you got to go large, and this is what it would be. Oh, 
You'd do some queen. You'd have a choir. You'd be strumming the piano. And then you got to hit those notes. And the crowd is loving you. And you're sweating. Yes. Yes. Work in the crowd. I think you could do it. This song has a couple notes that are too high. Yeah. yeah. Not like the ones Cam and I had. I, yeah, think well, you could, I think you could do it, Lauren. Oh, I just love the, I love the pomp of it all. That's what you got to add to it, right? Kind of like Cam's. Like Cam's, Cam's has like, like it's a tour de force on oh, stage. The drums are rock. Oh, yeah. Great. Yeah. One of my favorite songs. Strutting music. I'm in, a, I'm in a really good mood now. Don't bring me down here, Tyson. What do you got? Well, if I sang this song at a karaoke, it would just absolutely shock everyone. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to play it right here. <laughs> oh, my oh, God. Yes. Interesting. <laughs> A little bit of Step Brothers action, just yeah. stepping up at the Catalina wine mixer. It's a Catalina wine mixer. I've been called the songbird of my generation. Exactly. <laughs> that good. Will Ferrell, that is like your top, like that's that's your aspiration? Uh, have, you, have you heard him? He's got a voice of an angel. Uh, well, that, that's according to him. <laughs> No, if I tried this at an actual karaoke bar, I would just bomb in front of everyone. But yeah, I, but you know what? You would get a standing ovation for trying it. Oh, of, of, of course. And that's what that what matters at the end. But I did I did bomb one time at karaoke, too. Yeah, what did and? you sing? <laughs> Mumbo number five. People people were not <laughs> feeling Mumbo number five that night. <laughs> is, isn't that Nate Schmidt's uh, goal song? It is. It's yeah, the best it one. Yeah, it is. <laughs> All right. Now, uh, for me, like growing up, always, I wanted to be Paul Stanley from Kiss. That's like that. That's if I could have been anybody. And then it uh, turned into David Lee Roth. And then very shortly after that, John Bon Jovi, uh, Foo Fighters, of course, Queen. I almost pulled a Queen song, but you have to have one of the slow songs in your repertoire. And nobody did a slow song like Steve Perry. Nobody did it like Journey. And it's not the song you think. Oh, good one. This is sort of the closer of the night. Fans are standing. Always imagine. Don't go, Greg. Don't go. We love you. Yeah, don't get on that bus. We want you to sing more songs. Marry me. (sighs) Yeah, if you could just nail down a great ballad, I think that would be the uh, ultimate. In uh, performance. 204 780 We want to hear from you. If you could hit any note, if stage size, if the number of backing performers was not a, a, a limitation or a factor, which song would you roll out as a performer? Which one would you love to nail? We've got two tickets to see the Jets and the Vegas Golden Knights next Tuesday. Jeff Braun is standing by. I promise he will not sing Global News at 7. Next. with you on this Friday morning. It's been a difficult week 
for many of us here in Manitoba. And yesterday, late yesterday afternoon, we learned that the city and province have pushed pause on operations of a privately run landfill as leaders and family members continue conversations on what to do about the remains of two women believed to be somewhere in that site north of the city of Winnipeg. So as we know by now, Winnipeg police believe Morgan Harris and Mercedes Myron, two women alleged to have been killed by accused killer Jeremy Skibicki, are somewhere within Prairie Green Landfill. Police outlined earlier this week all the reasons why a search there is not possible, or at least not feasible were their words, in part because of the amount of time that had passed. They have zero starting point for that search, and there's also asbestos in that landfill, Greg, which could make it dangerous for any search team. But then yesterday, the mayor and premier came out and said, you know what, they've asked the landfill to pause operations. And then this morning, the chair of the Winnipeg Police Board, Marcus Chambers, told us that there's no timeline for that. All they're doing right now is calling out to all experts, all people, all people of all stripes to weigh in with the possibilities. This is all really disturbing news. Adding to that, we've been down this road as a community before, searching our landfills for remains. And sadly, odds are we could do it again, which is why our next guest says we need to not just do more to prevent crimes like this, but to introduce changes to the way refuse is handled. We're joined now by Nahani Fontaine, NDP caucus spokesperson for missing and murdered Indigenous women, girls, and two-spirit people. Nahani, good morning. Before we get into some of the changes that, that we're talking about, what was your reaction? What is your reaction to the news that the landfill will stop bringing in refuse for the time being while next steps are considered? having some technical issues here. We had Nahani on the line earlier. she there, Tyson? Loren, we're just trying to reconnect with Nahani. I know she she called us earlier, mm-hmm. so I know she's available and, and, and she's been standing by to, to speak with us. So just bear with us here a moment as we, we try to reconnect with her. Yeah, and you know, these are... <laughs> such difficult conversations to have and, and I was just going back and forth with the police board chair Marcus Chambers in the text and just talking about you know looking for a bit more information and details from him and, and he just referenced the uh, the sleepless night he had right and and there's a lot of people out there right now who are having those sleepless nights who aren't just family members but people who are weighed down very heavily by what's going on here and I know we played some audio from Nahani last week about just the despair she was feeling and, and people in her life we're feeling just that we're here again and here we are greg uh trying to have these difficult conversations so we could hopefully hopefully learn from them okay we have bernadette smith i believe on the line not nahani good morning bernadette good morning how are you I'm okay. Thank you for taking the time. We're, we're, we're switching people here, but we're not switching the conversation. So first, just your reaction. We're, we're pausing. The conversations will continue. No more garbage or refuse will be brought into that landfill for the time being, at least. What's your reaction to that? Well, we were super happy yesterday. Diane Redsky, um, Sandra Delaron, and I went and met with the mayor yesterday morning, and that was our ask. The families had asked that uh, that happen, and we certainly you know, as community leaders wanted to to meet with the mayor and to bring those those forward, and he was pretty receptive to it. He did tell us that it was, um, in fact, the province that holds the, the regulatory license, 
and that he would take those concerns forward to the premier, which did happen later that day. So we were super pleased when the news came out. However, you know, it's a pause. We haven't got a commitment to doing a feasibility study, which we're hoping, you know, we did hear Marcus Chambers this morning um, say that they're going to consult with some experts. So we hope that that's going to result in an extensive feasibility study and that uh, the end result is going to be that they do, in fact, uh, search that landfill for those women. Bernadette, I just wanted to jump in because, you know, the response from the police so far is, is, is that word feasible, that it's not feasible, and that they studied it and they had pictures, they had the photos. That's my understanding. They even spoke with an anthropologist back in the summer. And so, in summer. And so the, the response so far has been that, you know, that, that in theory, that feasibility study has happened. So what needs, what needs to happen differently here now in terms of uh, how we continue this conversation? Do we need to, like I said to Marcus, is this about just putting the ask out to the world? Put your hand up if you have any ideas of how to help Winnipeg right now. Well, we actually spoke to the anthropologist that was consulted and we were given the opposite um, information that they were told that it was feasible, that there would be some, you know, definite uh, barriers, their safety being one of them with the hazard material, but they were looking for solutions for, you know, the post, the potentials of any kind of, you know, barriers that they would, would face. So, Certainly, they spoke with the mayor yesterday as well and brought that information forward. We also spoke with the RCMP because we know that that landfill is outside of the city um, and brought that information forward through the anthropologists themselves, you know, spoke to both the mayor and and the RCMP. We do believe um, and we are looking into if there is any other women um, missing and who they are and if they were someone who accessed the shelter systems because we know that this man was, you know, targeting women through the shelter system. And we want to ensure that there is no other women that could potentially be in that landfill. And we we suspect there could be. My sister has been missing for 14 years. We have no idea where she is. You know, we've been searching as many other families have, you know, Jennifer Catchaway's family has excavated a landfill. It can be done, and it should be done, and we need the resources from all three levels of government to be able to make sure that that, uh, that landfill is searched once this study is done and we figure out some solutions to some of the problems that may be faced. Bernadette, yesterday felt like uh, hopefully a, a, a tiny bit at least of a turning point in terms of, um, you know, I feel as though the, the police have told uh, the families and the stakeholders in this what's possible and what's impossible as opposed to there being a conversation. And I think this conversation is at least six months overdue, but here we are and we can't go back in time. So is this the next best thing, what we saw yesterday, this pause now, and now let's sit down collaboratively and figure out what the next steps look like? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, as I laid out, the next steps are to do that feasibility study. And the anthropologist talked about bringing in cadaver dogs, moving materials from the landfill to other places so that they could be sifted through using industrial screeners. And they did, in fact, say that it could be done. Um, Toronto, they pointed to Toronto, and Toronto has done it. They've um, 
they recovered a man in the, his 50s and they searched for months. So over three months they searched. So there is some expertise out there. There is new, ne- new technology as well that we've um, been looking at and it's certainly something that is feasible and we need to do this. Like community is calling for this. The family deserves to have their loved one home and they've been certainly calling for it from the beginning and I think we need to make sure that we are um, looking at every avenue and looking at solutions to ensure that it happens. I'm not sure, you know, we're not privy to all the details here. We're, you know, we're learning through people we talk to like you, Bernadette, but I had said this morning, you know, if it was me, first of all, I would absolutely want people to go in there. I think we all would feel the exact same way, but I also would want to be included on any decisions like this. And do you have any idea, and you might not know this yourself, Bernadette, but back in June when all these conversations were taking place about the feasibility were family in the know at all then, or is it really just only in the last week that everyone's sort of collectively learning this? As far as I know, everybody is just collectively learning about this. The police have known about it um, since June that they were possibly in that landfill. You know, we've had almost six months of refuge being, you know, put over top. When we talked to the anthropologist and we heard about, you know, when they when they compact the mud that actually preserves a body. It depends on what state it was when it went into the landfill. And that even if a body is damaged, that it can be recovered. And we saw that with uh, Robert Picton. We have a family member here, the Abraham family from Saikin, whose sister Sharon, um, she was you know, one of the ones whose DNA was found on that farm. And they were given a little piece of shard of her bone. So it is doable and families do deserve it. And like you said, Lorraine, that was your loved one. And I'm sure every Canadian across this country would want that landfill searched and for their loved one to be brought home. And at least at the very least, you know, searched The conversations will continue, and uh, Bernadette, we thank you for uh, being a conduit to some of those discussions as we make our way forward, and and that's the the, the key in this, uh, making our way forward. We appreciate your time, as always. Thank you so much. A lot to digest there, right, with these conversations, and I and I and I get it. And so now we've hit pause. There's different people that are going to weigh in. There are groups all over the world. Sadly, sadly, Greg. There are communities, there was a search in Georgia just last month for a young kid. There was a search in California not long ago. There, there are sadly experts on this. Um, maybe there's one somewhere. The same way if you had a diagnosis of an illness, would you scour the earth for that one person who might give you some hope? Yeah, I think you would. The moon is actually still in the western sky. It was absolutely brilliant this morning. It was three or four nights, early mornings in a row. That's when we start our day, as does our next guest sitting next to me, Loren McNabb. Clay Young, who's filling in for... I think actually I get in earlier than you two. Oh, you sure do. I think you over sure on do. our side, we get in earlier. Listen to this guy. It's because he's got inter- to put all that makeup on. I haven't introduced I mean, him yet, and he's already jumping in on the on the, on the I conversation. I get in here at 3.30, and I go down to the radio side looking for my friends, and you're not here yet. Wow. 
I miss you too, Clay. I just had to say that. Thanks. Uh, and I'm sure the bosses aren't listening or anything like that. Thanks for outing us. I'm not worrying about it, Greg. Clay's got to do the makeup. Oh, by four o'clock, I see you coming in. Put People on his toupee. Well, you know. Okay. I what had is, to listen. If you're going to you? set up this conversation before it goes any further, yeah. yeah. Sure, okay, Greg Knackling, sure. Loren McNabb, Brett McGarry's <laughs> away until Monday. He shall return. This is the time on the program Friday morning at nine oh seven when we typically speak to Gabrielle Marchand, who is the mm-hmm. anchor of mm-hmm. Global News Morning, six a.m. Mm-hmm. till nine a.m. Monday through Friday on CK, CKND Television Channel Nine, Cable Twelve, or One Hundred One on your Shaw cable box if you're looking for high definition. And let me tell you, Clay Young in high definition is quite the sight. Yeah. Okay. Clay Young yeah, joins you... us now. Good morning, Clay. How are you? It's Would you wonderful. like to throw us under some more buses? It's wonderful to be here. You know, I really do miss doing those radio shows. I really do. I, I miss those. Tell us about the difference between radio and television. Let's Let's... Pick your brain a little bit on that. What what is what is the difference? Because I get the sense that television a little bit more formal. Although I think you push the boundaries, and I think it's in a good way of informality at times. Whereas radio is really all about personality and connecting with listeners uh, on a different level than television. I agree with you a hundred percent. You know those radio shows that I hosted on OB. I, I was totally myself. You know, I dealt with a lot of serious topics, but there were others that I totally let my hair down. And no, I don't wear a toupee, no matter what Loren just said. Uh, and I had a lot of fun doing it. And uh, on television, I'm a little more reserved. I mean, because, you know, you're staring at me and you can see everything I'm doing. And you can make, you know, if I, if I have a screw-up... On radio, it's like, keep going, you know. Who, sure. No one's looking. Well, on TV, they are looking. And um, you, you go with the punch. And I, I pace myself a lot more on a three-hour TV show compared to the three-hour In terms of the show. energy you expel and, and yeah. getting it all out there. Yeah. Loren, you did television for an awfully long time, one of the best journalists in this country, in my, oh, in my view. No? In Minnedosa. Let's say Minnedosa. Nope. Um, it's, a, it's a different beast for sure. It's, uh, the difference is to Clay, as Clay points out, like you're under the lights, and for whatever reason, Clay, when mistakes happen, you really just do feel more exposed. Like it's like you're like the sweat comes on more quickly when when say the guest doesn't show up or you can't hear something in your ear. It happened this morning. Like yeah. I'm, I'm looking, and you're panicked way more quickly. Wouldn't well, you say? Well, I'm looking at a monitor, and uh, the wind chill is minus nineteen, right? And now my director says, "Cute," and there I am on the air, and I said, "Good morning." It is Friday. It is December nineteenth. And as soon as I said it, I realized, okay, and we'll correct that right away. And you're, 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 you're exposed right there. And then it popped into my head, it's December the 9th, dummy. But I looked at a monitor and I saw clearly minus 19. It was in my brain. So um, I, uh, in terms of, and I just laughed it off. <laughs> like I, I would do on, you know, I'm laughing off your, your coughing fit right now. But you, but Loren is right. It's a, it's a different animal. Same sort of message you're getting out, but it's a different animal. Yeah, I find it. It's, it's a tiny bit more formal. Now, in radio, 
We will correct our mistakes sort of on the fly. There'll be mm-hmm. that, you know, a, a pardon me or mm-hmm. uh, go back. Boy, I, I read that incorrectly. I'd like to read that over again. In television, it's been my understanding you're sort of taught to just kind of just pretend that you didn't make it, depending on the seriousness of it. Sometimes it calls for a correction, but otherwise you kind of got to keep going, right? Yeah, one one vet told me one time, I said, you know, what I... Well, I really screwed up, and I stopped, and I just said, uh, uh, that actually should read. He said, you know what? When in doubt, just just keep going. Just keep. If it's a massive, fragrant mistake that you've made, mm-hmm. you may want to stop and regroup. But in the meantime, just keep going. A lot of people won't have even picked it up, you know, so... So this week, Clay, has been an interesting one for all of us in Winnipeg for all sorts of reasons. You know, we've had some really heavy conversations about these, this alleged serial killer, these remains in a landfill and, and, and the search for that. And we started the week off, you know, or at least on Tuesday with the news that the police outlining all the reasons why it wasn't feasible. And in both our studios, we had a chance this week to speak to the premier, to the mayor of Winnipeg and to the chief of police. And I said yesterday, I appreciate, you know, I may not always like the answers, but I do appreciate when people at least take the questions and come in. Mm-hmm. I- I'm curious for you, what's your takeaway at the end of this week after all these heavy conversations about what we've learned and what we're doing? Because um, they're important people who make important decisions. And in here we are, you know, hitting pause on that landfill search today. Yeah, I can, I can say that, um, you know, it's been another one of those weeks that you just don't forget. You won't forget for a long time. And uh, first it was the premier, then it was the mayor, and then it was the police chief. And they all, you know, are just horrified of what happened, like everyone is. Like, my God, we actually have an alleged serial killer. We did. He's The suspect is in custody running around the streets. It's terrifying, you know randomly selecting victims you read about this stuff you know in big american cities but then you find out the story doesn't end in fact this story may keep going and going for for months we could be talking about this a year from now depending upon what the decisions are made about whether or not to carry out this search at this landfill north of the city and I understand, I understood where, where the chief was coming from and how difficult this is. It's going to be a colossal effort. You get there, let's say you're, and I'm just talking as Clay Young, let's say I'm part of the team. We get out there and we're surveying the, the, the whole site. I've got maybe some binoculars and I'm going, okay, so where do you want to begin? Do we just start anywhere and just keep going and keep looking and looking and so but i also understand the families you know my aunt or my sister was in there well you got to do something i mean she, she didn't die of her own hand she wasn't killed accidentally she was killed by an alleged maniac i i don't think uh, by the way, there's one thing I want to add on this. Don't be surprised if Police Chief Smythe is going to uh, they, the police service announces Chief Smythe is holding a news conference today. I'm I'm just making a guess. After calls for his resignation, 
I think they have to respond, and they, I believe they'll respond with something today. The conversation, we've got to let you go here, Clay. We're out of time. Thanks for your, your openness on this. Uh, this week, I think, though, has shown the ability of, I don't want to say pressure. Yeah, I'll use the word pressure. Pressure and spotlight. Because if we had just taken what was said on Tuesday from Winnipeg Police Service at, at face value, and there's a, there, there's, a, there's a case that was made as for why we are or where we were at the point we were Tuesday afternoon. But now here we are with more questions, more answers, and the leaders have come to a realization maybe that wasn't the best decision. And, no. and, and that, is, that, is, that is the value of open discourse and open conversation and holding leaders to account. Yeah. And maybe at times saying, you know what? I had it wrong. Or I hear you now. Opinions can change. That's what that's what this whole conversation Thank is about on a bigger sense, right? I can I can say something yesterday and then you know what? You know what? I've reflected. That was I let's let's fix this. Mm-hmm. Clay Young. Thank you, my friend. Always great to see you. Thank you for the energy you bring to television, to the newsroom, and uh, we'll catch up with you again next week. Thanks for having me. With a big band or something, this would be fun to perform live and karaoke, don't you think, McNabb? Getting jiggy with it? Yeah, I would um, get the that'd get the crowd going. I think this is the problem. Like you know, when you do karaoke. Are you doing it for you or are you doing it for them? Right? Wow. Like sometimes it's the moment where you just want to belt out a song and then you get up there and you're like, nobody even knows this song or, or, or I'm not doing this very well and it's terrible. Because you either have to be decent or terrible. You know, there's no real middle ground. And that's the rub. And that's the difficulty of DJs who take requests at socials because the DJ is the music expert. He knows what's going to get, or she knows what's going to get the crowd up off the floor. And you, what's that song that you continuously harass DJ socials at DJs to play? Any Bon Jovi song. (laughs) I'm not saying I've been in fights, but I have almost (laughs) had the DJ want to throw down with me at a friend's wedding in Brandon. Yep. At a friend's wedding in Edmonton. Oh boy, multiple times. At a tiki bar in Chicago. Just play some Bon Jovi already. And when they say no, they mean no. I, no, I I don't take that no. Are you going with a tip though? Like, are you going with a twenty in hand or no? How bad I'm going, do you want to hear this song? <laughs> I'm going up and saying, "There's nobody dancing. Why don't we do a little John Bon Jovi?" And then they say, "Yeah, sure." And then they don't. And then I go back and say, "Hey, like, how about remember me, JBJ, Fiery oh. Redhead." Yeah. At the tiki bar, he's like, it's a tiki bar. I was like, right, but nobody's dancing. I will say at that tiki bar, we got champagne served at a pirate's chest, courtesy of my brother, and it was amazing. Where was this uh, tiki bar? Chicago. Well, well, what part of Chicago? I don't know. Come on now. No? I drank champagne out of a pirate's chest. Do you think I'm then remembering what street I'm on? Fair enough. 938. <laughs> She's McNabb. I'm Mackling. McGarry returns on Monday. I think the three of us are together, uh, barring any unforeseen circumstances next week. It'd be great to, to get the gang back together. Um, 
Loren, I think you know this about me. I am an unabashed fan of the Exchange District right here in the heart of our city. I can look down upon it uh, from 30 floors up, at least the West Exchange. And when large, these large multi-day events converge on Old Market Square and the streets surrounding, I think it has the ability to generate the genuine wow factor that many of us crave for Winnipeg year-round. Yeah, the various festivals in the exchange you know that have taken place in the summer, you want them all summer. You go down there and the hype, like the, the buzz is very, very real. It's the people, right, that make it so exciting. And then the surroundings are gorgeous. And so we're now focusing on winter and a new event the exchange district is bringing in the new year, which really, if we think about it, you know, when we said new year, it's coming in the new year and you think that's months away. But no, no, we've only got weeks left until 2023. And so we want to talk about what the exchange is doing. David Pintado is the executive director of the Exchange District Biz. Good morning, David. Good morning. We want to talk about what's going on in the new year. But before we get there, how are, how are things been going in the past few months with business in the exchange? Maybe any growth that you're hoping to see with people coming back to work? Because I know it hasn't been an easy two and a half years. No, it hasn't been easy for for our businesses, um, and uh, I would say that there's definitely a lot more positivity. There's a lot more activity than there has been. Um, the uh, if if we're talking about the restaurants, uh, I would say that uh, most have uh, expressed that they're pretty close to pretty close to pre-pandemic letters, levels. Not quite yet in the evenings, but the daytimes are still a rough go. Did I notice? Uh... Some hosage, some water being sprayed upon Old Market Square yesterday. You bet. Yeah, the uh, the, the weather conditions have been just perfect. So uh, the city of Winnipeg crews are starting to flood for the rink at Old Market Square, which is exciting. I don't think we've ever been able to have it this early because you need that just that right mix of cold and snow, and uh, sometimes that doesn't happen until January. So let's talk January. What's happening, David? Well, we're really excited to be partnering with ArtSpace uh, to produce a whole new winter festival. So Lights on the Exchange is like a, it's a light-based arts and design festival uh, that will be featuring a number of uh, pieces that are created by Canadian artists, most of them local, uh, that uh, will light up the Exchange District with sculptures, projections, uh, and other types of light-based art installations. How long is this going to run for, David? It's going to run from January 21st to March 21st. So wow. we're really looking at that. Yeah, we're really looking at that cold, dark, gloomy part of the winter that, you know, uh, to be fair, Winnipeggers have started to embrace and say, you know what, we live here, let's embrace it. And so we're doing the same. So we're bringing something new and unique. Uh, part of part of the light aspect of it is it is that dark time of year and try to get us through to March where things start to even out. You know, Loren mentioned this earlier, and I don't want to steal your thunder here, McNabb, but Loren mentioned this earlier, and this is a discussion we've been having for years and years on this station, on this program in particular, the idea of embracing winter, because I think we're doing a much better job of that in this part of the world. We have far more options now that are are oriented to the outdoors or a combination of creative indoor-outdoor spaces. Do you think that we're prepared and ready, David, based on what you're hearing from business owners, from residents, from visitors to the exchange? Are we ready to to maybe take another step in that direction? I I believe we are. I mean, you know, the idea of this kind of festival has been uh, discussed kind of back and forth over the years. 
Uh, and, you know, we, we, we finally have the opportunity to do it well uh, with our partners. And so uh, we're, we're seizing it. So, you know, part of it, part of it, you know, it seems like it's a really long run, which, which it is. Um, but part of that is it, it will allow people the opportunity to really explore the artwork on their own time. Some people are a little more averse to uh, certain degrees of temperature than others. So, you know, it, it allows people to pace themselves. And it also allows us to sort of showcase the pieces in phases. So, you know, we'll, we will have a, an initial release on January 21st, and then we, we're planning another, I think, three releases over the period. So it's not all going to be up in one shot. Uh, there'll be uh, multiple opportunities to, to see more stuff coming up. And, and then, then doing this, you know, there's a there's a possibility for this to go long term. I mean, it's a first time festival, but you want to have it continued success. And then for the businesses too, as you mentioned, the fact that there hasn't been that many people coming down during the day, there needs to be other attractions. Then get people in there, get into the area of exchange, and then they might look around and say, "Oh, I'd like to go into that shop. I'd like to go into that restaurant." Exactly. Yeah, that that's a big part of it. I mean, the daytime crowds. I mean. That part, that time of year, that sort of mid-January to mid-March is a challenging time of year for biz- like the retail and restaurant businesses in general anywhere in the city. So, you know, anything that's going to help bring more people out uh, is good. And, you know, increasing our status as a tourist and local tourist uh, visitor destination in the winter months is really, is really the, the key here uh, from the business perspective. Uh, but really, just from from a Winnipeg perspective, it's nice to have another art festival. And and when we were looking at this, we were looking at okay, there's there's light festivals in other cities around the world. What what can we leverage and what can we look at in the Exchange District that's distinct? And uh, it you know it has to do with the heritage buildings and it has to do with the the artists community, uh, the creative community that is here and treats the Exchange District as its home. So, you know, we're looking forward to artists coming forward with works that tell their stories, that tell different kinds of histories than sometimes the building architecture uh, it makes it easy to tell. Uh, I know in the past you've brought those ghost signs to life in a very spectacular fashion. Any elements of that involved here, David? Uh, we don't have, as far as I know, we don't have the ghost signs per se. Um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not the expert on art and art curation. This is why we're working with art space. Um, <laughs> and of course, Winnipeg, Winnipeg Arts Council and Manufacturing Entertainment. So uh, they are currently working with artists, you know, selecting artists and then working with them to develop works that are site specific to the area. Um, and, the, you know, the important thing to another important thing to note is that uh, many of these works are going to be part of a, a, a semi-permanent collection. So we will we plan to bring them back out next year uh, and then add to them. So uh, that that's the idea. This is the baseline year. And we're really focused on getting pieces that, that create that foundation for us to build on in the future. Well, th- th- this is me putting my vote in sounding off giving you my point of view. Those ghost signs, uh, the history behind them are absolutely fascinating. And I know there are tours and, and whatnot that take place uh, over over the different parts of the year as well. So uh, one of my favorite parts of the city. Yours too, right, Loren? Sorry, I just had my mic off for a cough. When I'm feeling great, I love getting down to the exchange. Great food, great restaurants, great people. Excellent. David, thanks for this. Where can people find out more? They, uh, you know, we talk about these things on air, but then they want to have them validated online because if you can't find it online in a lot of people's mind, it's not happening. For sure. You can absolutely find it, uh, find details on our Instagram account and on our webpage, exchangedistrict.org. Uh, it's, it's very clear to follow the links from there. 
Uh, and I just, I'm going to just squeeze one last plug in, which is that there's uh, one day today and tomorrow left for hot beverage week. If people haven't uh, been down to excuse me, what is over. this now, David? Quickly, you got you have 20 <laughs> seconds. We're on the elevator together. Okay. Go hot beverage week. We do it every year. There's 17 businesses uh, competing for the best hot beverage in the Exchange District. Unique creations. You can only try today and tomorrow. It's the end of the week. Ah, what to that. hang on, hang on. Yep. I feel like we buried the whole lead here. What are is there extras like you know beyond milk, cream, or sugar? What might be added to some of these delightful? I mean, I'm thinking hot toddy right now for my throat, so that's why I'm asking David. Yeah, yeah. D- depending on where you go, uh, you know, there's a there's like a, a take on an old fashioned at uh, Amsterdam Tea Room. Ooh. Patent Five is doing something special with their uh, with their gin. Uh, even Little Brown Jug has like a hot chocolate that's based off of one of their beers. So there's stuff all over the place, uh, uh, alcoholic and non-alcoholic. Marvelous. Thank you, David. We appreciate you being such a fine ambassador for one of the finest places, uh, parts of our city. We appreciate you much, Lee. And if we don't speak you to, bef- to you before, we will definitely have you back in January. Best of the season to you. Merry Christmas to you and yours. To you also. Thank you.